This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, championship week is in the books. The college football playoff is set. The transfer portal is filling up with names. People are returning to school. We thought it would be early round one or round two draft picks. So much happening in the world of college football. Another week of the NFL closing up tonight with Monday Night Football as the Bucks and the Saints square off. And here at Saturday, Sunday, we are going to break it all down this evening. Let's jump right into the NFL draft stock report because there's a lot to kind of digest. So let's, why don't we start with the transfer portal, who's made decisions about returning to school, a lot of surprises or so in the last 48 hours or so. So let's start with the big returning to school. A couple hours before I recorded this, Keishon Booty came out and announced that he is returning to school Performed really well in the SEC championship game. Six catches for 107 yards and one touchdown. I was talking about, is he the next George Pickens? And what I meant by that, otherworldly talent didn't really live up to the expectations production-wise. I thought maybe he could fall around two. And then we sort of glimpses of greatness this past weekend. We've seen the glimpses throughout his college career. I think it was everyone kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion. He was going to go out. And now, announcement today that he's returning to school, not declaring. I, I Maybe, you know, from what he's hearing, he's not going to be a round one or early round two pick, and he goes back to school. I still thought he would have probably been in that early day two mix, like I said, early to mid-day two. Uh, but he goes back to school and see if he can re-elevate his draft stock to being, you know, a clear, definitive first-round pick next year. Uh, so that was the biggest return to school, Keishan Booty. And then another one, as the quarterback landscape has been kind of uneven this year after Stroud and Bryce Young, Michael Penix Jr. was, was rising up draft boards. And I thought he had gotten to the mix that he was probably solidified himself as a day two guy and a really intriguing one. Uh, and such, but he's decided to return back to school. So he's going to try to build on this momentum of this past year and see if maybe he could elevate his draft stock into a guy who could maybe go in the round one of the NFL draft next year. So those were the two big names who I could have, I would have been real positive that both of those guys were going to declare for the NFL draft. uh, And now both of them go back to school uh, Penix tries to build off of this year, see if he can elevate his draft stock even more with another strong year. And Booty goes back to see if he can reignite his draft stock, maybe from where this year, maybe it would have been round two, and see if he can push his way back to being one of the elite receivers in the country in, in the draft world eyes, and then maybe get himself back into round one. But it's a risky business, right? Coming out a year later, you know, he's got to stay healthy, he's got to produce or more question marks uh, come up. The other big news over the last is the transfer portal is already kicking into high gear. Uh, DJ Ulangale out of Clemson 
after the ACC championship game, he uh, announced that he'd be entering the transfer portal. So Ugalangale, a guy who just a couple of years ago we thought was on the trajectory to be a surefire first round NFL quarterback pick, uh, a guy that would be looked at as one of the premier college quarterbacks, been very uneasy, uneven for him over the last two years. Uh, it was clear he was starting to fall out of favor there in Clemson. So his choices were either to declare and probably be like around three, but probably early day three pick or go to transfer out. So now he kind of pick, he kind of looks to, to try to find his spot. Right. And, and maybe he could, you know, improve his draft stock next year, new location, uh, new start. I think that is what Ulangale is hoping uh, that a new place could kind of ignite. Kind of like we've seen Spencer Rattler. It took him most of this year, but we saw him kind of find his groove here for South Carolina late in the season. Ulangale looks to go to a new place, get a fresh start, and maybe see if he could improve that draft stock. Uh, after not living up to the expectations at Clemson over the last two years. Some other interesting names already in the transfer portal. Devin Leary out of North Carolina State. This is a guy who many people thought he could be a guy who is in the top five, top eight quarterbacks of this draft class before the season started. Uh, Quickly, you know, that started to kind of fall out of favor. He just wasn't living up to the expectations. So now... He entering the transfer portal, see where he ends up. Can he once again improve his draft stock to maybe be in that round three, round four mix? I think there's just limitations on his game. Uh, but I think he's looking for maybe a, a, the right opportunity and the right landing spot to try to improve his draft stock. Uh, other quarterbacks, Phil Jerkovic, leaving Boston College, which is an intriguing one. Uh, you know, I thought he would definitely be coming out and he's going to stick around for another year. Uh and Trent and find a new spot there and see if he could improve his draft stock. He's a guy that I just haven't ever been a big fan of Jerkovic's game. Very inconsistent. Uh, arm talent is just average for a guy, his size. He's got a little bit of mobility. Uh, but I think Jerkovic was a guy who was a little bit overrated a couple of years ago and was kind of living off of that over the last couple of years. And then, you know, I kind of thought he would probably be this targeted as a late round QB pick, uh, you know, or UDFA, and now he's decided to go back. So I think guys like Leary and Jerkovic, when they didn't live up to expectations, declaring is kind of, you know, at best case, they're a late date for repick, right? Round six, round seven, if not a priority free agent. So returning to school probably makes some sense for them to kind of see if they could have a really strong final season in college in a new location, uh, a team that obviously is going to really want them in the transfer portal, maybe a plug and play you know, team loses the quarterback and they can go in and step in and maybe help improve their draft stock a little bit. So Leary and Jerkovic going that route, similar to Ulangale. A couple pass catchers who stand out in the transfer portal, Theo Weiss out of Oklahoma. You know, he was a guy that I feel like we've been talking about for a couple of years, thinking that he could come out and be, you know, one of the next big receivers at Oklahoma. He has not lived up to the hype, so he's going to enter the transfer portal. We'll see where he ends up. And then Dorian Singer out of Arizona uh, is another intriguing one that I know Jeff said that was one that really stood out to him. And and whenever we get Jeff back on air next week, hopefully uh, we'll bring up Singer to get his take on that. So those are the top offensive you know, players right now. 
in terms of who've entered the transfer portal. I still think we're going to have some other ones, right? I mentioned last week, would it be stunning if Zach Evans went back to the transfer portal if he didn't declare? Would Tank Bigsby, you know, be a guy who would maybe look to transfer? So we'll see on these guys. I, I don't think I've missed any decisions on their guy's future yet, whether they're coming out and entering the NFL draft, whether they're just returning to school or they're entering the transfer portal. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on those guys for sure. Uh, before we get to some performances from this past week, the other big piece of information in terms of the draft is Anthony Richardson has declared that he is turning pro. Uh, he's a guy that you know I'm a big fan of. The upside and the ceiling is really high, but the downside, obviously, and the development and the inconsistency is also something that is very real. Jeff and I have talked a lot about him, but I think he might look at this draft class and say, look at, you know, Bryce Young and TJ Stroud at the top. Maybe Will Levis has got fans in the NFL circles. But if he has a really good pre-draft process, I think he can sell himself and be in the mix to be QB3, and if not QB3, QB4. Now, we don't know what that means, right? Last year, we saw teams have a lot more self-control, uh, you know, pushing down, you know, the quarterbacks besides Kenny Pickett all the way to round three guys that, you know, Malik Willis, we thought was going to go maybe round one. And, you know, he fell all the way. And there are some similarities, obviously, the athleticism between Anthony Richardson and Malik Willis. I think Anthony Richardson is a far better passer. I think his arm talent is better. But there's a lot of development in Anthony Richardson, just like there is for Malik Willis, going through progressions more quicker, handling pressure, ball placement, accuracy, you know, understanding if the first read's not there. But what Anthony Richardson brings to the table is that unique dual threat ability, right? We've seen Justin Fields start to come into his own this year. We've seen Jalen Hurts develop over his years in the NFL early on, more relying on his athleticism as the, the, the passing improved we saw josh allen make great strides and i'm bringing up guys who have really made it in the nfl so i'm not saying anthony richardson is definitely going to be there i know i'm a fan uh because i'm a fan of the traits and and that's really where you have to, to lie on anthony richardson if you're a fan of anthony richardson if you want your nfl team to draft him you're relying solely on the traits because there is a lot of development he ideally should go somewhere where he doesn't have to play much next year if he's thrown into the fire and especially on a bad team you know i think that can go sideways very quickly uh i thought he might go back and see if he can and fine tune and and harness those skills a little bit and maybe be a top 10 pick i don't think that's in the realm of possibilities of him going top 10 in this draft but he might be willing to be you know a late round one or somewhere on day two pick which i think it's probably a little bit more realistic, but let's not lose sight of what the NFL is seeing right now with the dual threat capabilities of players. A guy like Anthony Richardson is really going to intrigue teams. If they think if they think the mechanics and the footwork and the stuff can can be can be something that is fixed and improves his accuracy, and they think he's got, you know, the mental processing, you know, for the quarterbacking skills, and they think that can come together. Well, then the athleticism, the, the the special arm talent, that's going to get him pushed up and overdrafted. And all it takes is one team. And, like, you know, as somebody who obviously follows the Giants closely, he'd be an interesting guy that I'd love Dable to get his hands on. And whether, you know, that would be a scenario where they bring back Daniel Jones on a two-year deal or they bring him back on the franchise tag, I don't think it takes a matter of running of maybe looking at a guy like Anthony Richardson, whether it was, you know, round two or – 
a trade up to early round two or, you know, a late, a move back in round one, a late round one, whatever the case may be. You know, if Anthony Richardson was to go to a place where the team started to build an offense around him and, and, and cater to his strengths, which sounds like a novice idea that seems to be very simple, but many NFL teams do not do it. I think Anthony Richardson is still a very high intrigue. So really going to follow him closely in the pre-draft process. Uh, Want to go back and watch some more of his games this year. I watched a lot of Florida just on the TV coverage. And again, you see the glimpses of greatness and, and then you see the, the really poor inconsistency and, and some really bad decision making as well. So there's a lot of high highs and there's a lot of really low lows uh, that's going to make the Anthony Richardson discussion, you know, I think a very, a very tricky one in the pre-draft process, because I think you're going to find people on both sides of the fence, people who are like, he's not even close to being an NFL quarterback. And then you're going to find other people who are really intrigued with the natural, you know, abilities that he possesses. Uh, and, and we'll see if it comes somewhere in the middle or, you know, the traits went out or the lack of, or the, the concerns and the flaws and the development needed wins out, you know, we'll see, but it's going to be fun watching Richardson hearing the Intel from, from the people in the know of where, you know, it sure sounds like the NFL is pretty intrigued with him, even if, even though he had a little bit of an up and down year, uh, and I think that's because the NFL is, I think, more than not, often looking for traits above all else, uh, especially at the quarterback position, especially when they're looking for a guy who could be a difference maker, a real X factor. And we're seeing some of those guys, you know, with those dual red capabilities really be X factors in the NFL, like Jalen Hurts, like, you know, Justin Fields at times this year, obviously Lamar over his career, early career, Josh Allen before the passing really you know, came together, you know, and the guys who could play off structure and, and move in the pocket. So I think that's what really intrigues teams. And again, if you're just looking at traits and you're looking at Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, I think Anthony Richardson beats him. I think he's more athletic. I think he's got better natural arm talent. You know, it's not like Will Levis is this really polished passer that, you know, he checks off every boxes in terms of decision-making and progressions and accuracy. I, I don't think that's the case at all. So if you're just going by traits, well, I think Anthony Richardson's traits are better. So I think it's going to become a really intriguing discussion about maybe Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. It sounds like the NFL is still high on Levis. Does that mean they're going to be equally as high on Richardson? Because I kind of feel like they should be, to be honest with you. If they like Levis and it's mostly because of his natural traits, then I'm not sure why they'd be why they wouldn't like Richardson as much, if not more. So that's going to be a fun discussion to kind of follow that as well. Some things from this past weekend, uh, Stetson Bennett, 23 of 29, 274 and four touchdowns, just continues to do what is asked of him. He's one of the Heisman finalists. You know, I think we know where that's going to Caleb Williams, but nice to see Bennett get, you know, rewarded for a really strong year. Listen, I don't think he's got much of a future as an NFL quarterback, but listen, we've seen guys like Colt McCoy make a career as a backup, you know, and we, we've seen guys like Greg McElroy and, and we've seen Jake Fromm. I don't think it's, inconceivable that Stetson Bennett can't be similar to those guys. I mean, Brock Purdy, who I'm going to talk a little bit about later was Mr. Irrelevant. Stetson Bennett's skill set is, is, is comparable to Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the, in the NFL draft. And, you know, now is, you know, tasked with being the starting quarterback at the San Francisco 49ers. Bennett is a guy who'll probably be at the senior bowl. I know it was Jim Nagy was talking about him, you know, 
maybe it was a month ago saying, you know, NFL teams should be a little bit more intrigued with him. So I kind of look at a guy like Bennett, think that he will ride the momentum of being Georgia quarterback, big games, big moments. And I think when you're talking late round or priority free agents, teams are looking for that, right? At the top of the draft, I think they're looking for traits. Uh, as you get further in the draft, I think you're looking more, a little bit more for production and, you know, could they be a backup quarterback? And I think a guy like Bennett has shown enough that if guys like Brock Purdy can go in the draft, the end of the draft, and, you know, we've seen Colt McCoy have a nice career as a backup and other players like that as well. I think it gives an opportunity for a guy like Bennett to maybe see himself drafted late in the draft or as a priority free agent. If you take it to the running back, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Kansas State's upset of TCU this past week. 28 touches, I think, is the thing that stands out. And it is the big thing because I think him and Devin A-Chain, the question marks going into the year was what type of workload could they handle at the NFL level? Well, they showed this year that both of those guys could handle a heavy workload. Does that mean that's going to be what they're, what is asked of them at the next level? Probably not. But it is nice to see that is in their repertoire that they can handle a heavy workload. Uh, so he had a big help in that upset win for Kansas State over TCU. Blake Corum knee is going to require surgery. He's out the year, uh, you know, so we won't get a chance to see Corum in the college football playoff. That obviously that was announced this past weekend as well. Uh, I already talked about Keishon Booty, uh, Quinton Johnston in that TCU Kansas State game, four catches, 139 yards. I think. Things are are clearing up, and I think it's going to be him or Jordan Addison be the first wide receiver in the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, with a guy like Booty returning to school, I think it it solidifies Johnson and Addison probably to be the top two guys. Maybe if Jackson Smith and the Jigba test out a little bit better, uh, I think there will be some question marks about his speed and about his best positional fit. Is it just inside where – while Addison is probably best inside, he's got more explosiveness and more vertical speed. So I think it'll end up being Addison or Quinton Johnston be the first wide receiver taken, uh, you know, when we get to round one of the 2020 Grand NFL draft. Uh, Josh Downs, 11 catches, 100 yards in the ACC championship game. I think he's become a little bit of somewhat of a forgotten man. He started the year uh, missing some games due to an injury. I don't think the skill set is so far off between Jordan Addison and Josh Downs. Jordan Addison's going to be a top 20 pick. I think Josh Downs will find his way into a top 50 mix before the NFL draft cycle concludes for sure. If Wondell Robinson could go pick 45 last year, I think Josh Downs is even a more explosive player than a guy like Wondell, who obviously you guys know I'm a fan of. So I think Josh Downs is an interesting one as we're seeing booty return. Uh, You know, we've seen other receivers this year not really live up you know, to the hype, particularly Jermaine Burden. Uh, I think it opens the door for a guy like Josh Downs to maybe be a day two type guy due to his playmaking ability. And then Charlie Jones at a, at a Purdue, 13 catches, 162 yards in that Purdue-Michigan Big Ten championship game. I think he's a very interesting day slot type receiver. Like we saw Hunter Renfro go in the third day of the NFL draft, became, you know, a great slot receiver at the next level. Uh, I think Charlie Jones you know, could be an interesting guy as a guy who, you know, in New York, Wayne Krebet from, you know, way back when, uh, more recent Hunter Renfro, do a little bit of like, you know, maybe what Jameson Crowder did at times in his career. So I, I think Charlie Jones could be an interesting slot guy in the round four, round five, round six mix. I think that's where he'll probably end up. 
but I think it's kind of interesting. And then the last guy I want to talk about is Darnell Washington uh, caught a, a touchdown for 14 yards in the SEC title game. But what's so infat- infatuating about Darnell Washington is Dame Brugler has been a big fan of him since the summer. I liked what I saw on film in the summer. Uh, Dane has him going in his round one of his first mock. And we know tight ends, not a lot of tight ends go round one. He had him and Michael Mayer. Uh, but it's just a fascinating conversation because I'm not sure if Darnell Washington goes round one. I think the question can be asked, has there ever been a round one, even top 50, with less collegiate production from an offensive playmaker than, than there is Darnell Washington? I, I'm not really sure. I mean, you'd have to go back to like when blocking tight ends were of really, you know, I'm thinking like the Jets and like Kyle Brady, like Brandon Pettigrew. And I think those guys even had more, you know, for, for sure. I mean, that I was, a, I was a very young kid, especially with Kyle Brady, you know, a little bit older with Pettigrew. I don't even, you know, remember what their college production, Daniel Graham is another one that comes to mind of, of tight ends that were drafted, you know, in terms of like elite blockers that maybe didn't have great college production. I think Darnell Washington probably will have less production than any of those guys, but his athleticism is, is something that a lot of teams are projecting out that if Brock Bowers wasn't there, where would Darnell Washington be? Would he be a much more integral part of that offense? I think NFL teams are banking on that. And I think that's why Dane thinks that he could go round one, if not round one, early round two. But it's such an interesting conversation because the metrics people are not going to be fans of him because he barely has any production, you know, And but he's going to test out well. He's a great blocker. And I think NFL teams are going to be intrigued with thinking there's a lot of untapped upside in terms of his offensive pass catching ability. If we take this to the Debbie slant, uh, Caleb Williams, I mean, I know USC, you know, ended up losing that game to Utah in the Pac-12 championship, but 28 to 41, 363 yards, three touchdowns. He's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I think we're at a point with Caleb Williams. I I think it was Sean Payton came out and said he's a generational quarterback prospect. You know, we're going to be hearing about him a lot for teams picking next year near the top of the draft, teams losing throughout the year next year. It's it, it, we're going to be on the Caleb watch like constantly. And I think the question starts to become if he continues on the path he is, is he the best quarterback prospect coming out since Andrew Locke? Cause it sounds like teams and people are already looking at him at a higher level than they even did Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm interested to go if this, if this will approach the Andrew Locke territory of, People looked at Andrew Luck as can't miss. There were no question marks about him. Are we going to get there with Kayla Williams? I know there, there's been some comps thrown out there that he reminds some people of Patrick Mahomes. Like There's so much intrigue with Caleb Williams. I'm not ready to put a, a, a name to his game just yet. I, I'll wait. To, I'll reserve judgment to the summer when I really do a deep dive on him. Uh, but his arm talent, his playmaking ability, his athleticism – his arm talent, he's a special, special prospect, but we'll have a whole year to kind of nitpick and critique. So are we talking about the same things about him next year, generational, best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck? You know, we'll see, right? We'll see about that. But but I do think the, the question starts to become is, is he the best quarterback prospect we've seen in quite some time? Is he better than, you know, everyone that came out, not last year, the year before in, in Lawrence in that class? Because if you're saying he's better than Trevor Lawrence, then I think you probably got to go all the way back to Andrew Luck. Because I think Trevor Lawrence was probably the most highly decorated 
uh, quarterback coming out of college since Andrew Luck. Uh, so if people are putting him ahead of Trevor Lawrence, then yeah, you're saying he's the best quarterback prospect since, you know, Andrew Luck. So that's, I think, where we're at right now with Caleb Williams. We'll see a lot, as we know, a lot can change in a year. Uh, but it's going to be fun to kind of follow Caleb Williams and see, you know, are there any things nitpicked about him that really start to to put questions in people's mind? I don't see it right now, to be honest with you. Uh, he seems like a really clean prospect, super high upside, high floor, can do it all, especially in today's NFL. Uh, it'll be fun where we're talking about him a year from now. Drake May, the other top underclassman quarterback, he had his struggles against Clemson. We kind of saw Drake May struggle a little bit down the stretch, and I think it, it was a little bit of back to reality that we realized these young players that we kind of really build them up and we're, we got to be careful to build them up so fast, right? Like Drake May is one of those guys, especially at UNC, not, you know, not filled with high-end NFL talent around him in terms of playmakers and offensive line. You know, Drake May is going to be a guy that I think it has a lot of fans. There are some people saying that if he was in this draft class, he'd be more highly regarded than Bryce Young or TJ Stroud. But there is things to nitpick about Drake May. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that will find a lot of things and, and the, the draft Twitter community and stuff because I don't think he's going to have nearly as week in and week out as good statistical production as a guy like Caleb Williams. And I think that's just UNC collectively isn't on the level of a USC in terms of explosiveness. When they go up against those better opponents, we've seen Drake may have some struggles. And I think that will, we'll see some of that up and down next year as well, but I still think he's a really special quarterback prospect in his own right. Uh, but I do think maybe a tier down from Caleb Williams, where I know earlier in the year we were having the conversation, should there be much of a, a, a separation between them? Uh, I think it's Caleb Williams, Space, then Drake May, and the other guys, like we'll see about Quinn Ewers and, and other guys for next year. And then Brock Bowers. I think the same question we were kind of talking about Caleb Williams, I think we could have it with Brock Bowers. Is he a better prospect than Kyle Pitts, who was considered generational, who was considered the best tight end prospect in – I don't know when. Are we already talking a couple of years later? Brock Bowers is going to be more highly regarded than Kyle Pitts. Now, I don't know if it means he's going to go top five or top 10 because that hasn't really worked out yet for Kyle Pitts. It hasn't really worked out for TJ Hawkinson going as high as he did. I mean, he's been a good tight end. I'm not sure, you know, he's lived up to those expectations. Obviously, Detroit didn't think so, and that's why they were willing to not give him a major second contract and were willing to trade him and, and get some good draft capital back in return. But Brock Bowers can do it all, the athleticism, the pass catching ability. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of hear people compare and contrast him to what we were saying about, you know, Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, not that long ago. So there it is, guys, the college NFL draft stock report and the, and a quick Debbie slant for championship week. Obviously a lot of discussion about the transfers portal, who was declaring, who was returning to school. Uh, obviously we'll be following all that here at Saturday, Sunday over the next couple of weeks. If we take this over to the NFL rookie report, I mentioned his name before. So let's start with Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo season ending injury Brock Purdy now thrusted into the starting lineup for a championship caliber San Francisco 49ers he held his own this week big win for San Francisco versus Miami 25 of 37 210 yards and two touchdowns really solid performance which interesting what's interesting is though a couple of years ago I think Brock, a lot of people thought Brock Purdy was on the trajectory to be a day two type quarterback prospect right he had really good touch 
had some, you know, ability to move around in the pocket, play off structure a little bit, even though he wasn't a high level athlete, you know, through with, like I said, good touch and anticipation, but there were questions about the arm talent. And, you know, he battled some inconsistencies during the home stretch of his collegiate career, but he ends up going last pick in the draft actually surprised people. I think most people thought he was going to be an undrafted free agent, but San Francisco wanted to get him, didn't want to fight for him in the undrafted free agency period. They picked him with the last pick of the draft, and here he is winning football games as a as a seventh-round rookie late in the year, and now he's going to be asked to probably be their starting quarterback the rest of the season. Uh, really interesting story. It'd be interesting to kind of see what he can do surrounded by that cast of offensive weapons there i think kyle shanahan will put him in a position to, to not ask him to do too much cater to his strengths get the ball out quickly get into his playmaker's hands try to you know minimize the risk in terms of the pros he makes and and what they ask him to do and we'll see how he performs and i think again that's the reason why guys like you know sets and bennett and stuff like that yeah there's a place for that maybe at the NFL level. And it's not only about the guys who are those high level guys who are going to, who have the traits to be those franchise guys. And, you know, everyone looking for the next, you know, Joe Burrow or just, or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Right. We also need guys who can play the role of Brock Purdy and be a late round draft pick and maybe step in due to injuries. And, and so I think it opens the door a little bit at uh, the running back position. Ken Walker went down with an injury, had to leave the game, did not return. Uh, I haven't seen any news just yet. Zonovan Bam Knight, I know Jeff uh, was talking about him last week. And Eric, when, you know, that they would be intrigued with him. I went out and got him in like five different places in, in Dynasty slash Redraft Leagues. Uh, he looked really good this week. Again, 15 carries, 90 yards, five catches, 28 yards. Uh, I'm not sure when Michael Carter is going to be back, but I think Zonovan Knight is a really interesting player for the rest of this year. Uh, I, I, it's hard to see long-term dynasty value with Brees Hall, obviously going to be back next year and Michael Cord- Carter only next year will be his third year, but Donovan Knight as an undrafted free agent who once upon a time, we thought could be a day two type running back before last season of college football started, you know, didn't have a great final season in college fell to being a UDFA prospect, but showing that now given the opportunity, he could be an NFL player for sure. Uh, Brian Robinson handling a heavy workload against the Giants, 23 touches, 111 yards, continues to be an integral part of that commander backfield, handling a heavy workload. We know he's that type of back that the more work you give him, the better he produces down the stretch of games. At the wide receiver position, Garrett Wilson continues to just ball out eight for 162. I think the question now becomes is, has he separated himself clearly from the other rookie wide receivers? I think, I think Drake London for right now, yes. I, I thought Gary Wilson was the most talented. I think Drake, I thought Drake London was in the best situation immediately, but we've seen that that wasn't the case. Uh, instead, it was Gary Wilson and Chris Olave who've been in the best situation. I think if we're talking long-term upside, I think Gary Wilson and Olave are the two. I think they're the most complete receivers in this draft class. You know, I'll reserve judgment on you know, Jameson Williams until he gets up to speed. But I think Garrett Wilson and Olave have kind of separated themselves. I would even put Garrett Wilson slightly, you know, a little bit ahead of Chris Olave. But I, I think the ceiling is really high for both of them. I think we start to have the conversation is, are these are guys, do these two players have ceilings as like top five, top 10 overall dynasty wide receivers? I, I think Wilson for sure. I think Olave might be a little bit behind that. Uh, is it dependent on a quarterback upgrade? Probably. I, I do think we need to see a, a better situation 
around both those guys before they can maybe reach that top 10 ceiling or even top five if they really can can put it all together. I do think they would need a quarterback upgrade in that regard, but I already think Garrett Wilson, you know, I haven't updated rankings in a while. I got to get on that. Now that the college football season's winding down, but I think Garrett Wilson is, is squarely now got to be top 15-ish in, in dynasty wide receiver rankings based on what we've seen this year. I would imagine Olave not that far behind him. Uh, and then the other guys a little bit further down, but I do think Wilson has separated himself from Drake London and the rest of the receivers not named Chris Olave, maybe a small separation with Olave, uh, but both super high ceilings. I, I just love Gary Wilson before he came in the draft. I thought I said, I compared him to Calvin Ridley who we saw were Calvin Ridley, you know, was able to perform. He was a top 10, top 15 type wide receiver in Dynasty before, you know, missing this past year and stuff like that. I think Garrett Wilson uh, could even have a higher ceiling than what we saw out of Calvin Ridley. Another rookie wide receiver, uh, Traylon Burks, only had one catch for 25 yards because he got hurt. It was a phenomenal catch that he took an absolute big hit, got concussed on it, I believe. Uh, but I think the bigger story over the last couple of weeks with Traylon Burks is the expansion of his role compared to what we maybe all thought. You know, I, I talked to people on here. I, I know it was, you know, Matt Waldman and Matt Harmon. And there was a lot of concerns about Traylon Burks and, you know, would his game translate from the from the collegiate to the NFL? Because, you know, Arkansas just didn't ask him to do a lot. A lot of manufactured touches, a lot of quick screens. And he's really started to expand his game a little bit at the NFL level that they're using him more vertically down the field. And if he's already starting to show glimpses of that full arsenal, intermediate vertical, I think, I think the ceiling is really high on Traylon Burks too, because we know he's really dangerous after the catch. We know he's tough. He's physical. And I thought maybe he was going to end up being like a big slot type guy, but if he's already expanding upon that now, I think that really speaks volumes on maybe where this is headed. So I'm excited about Traylon Burks' upside. Jahad Dotson in his best game in a while, five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Christian Watson, three catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. The wide receiver, you know, rookie class, once again, just absolutely loaded. Uh, great to see that each and every year. Let's round out the night with the Dynasty Stock Report for this past week. Uh, let's start with Deshaun Watson because he made his return. But I think the question we got to start asking ourselves, and again, I, I wish Jeff was here today because I feel like sometimes he has a little bit better pulse on, on, on where the industry is at. And I might bring this up to him next week is, is I feel like a lot of people just kind of anticipated Deshaun Watson falling right back into that elite QB one range in dynasty. It's been a long time since he's been an NFL quarterback. I, I'm wondering if, you know, are we sure he's ever going to be that same player he was, you know, after being basically out of the league for almost two years? And and I think it's interesting discussion. I'd be interested to know, like, how dynasty people, you know, are people buying, selling? It, you know, if, if people were a little bit down on him, would they be trying to buy? Uh, does he still have the same cachet? You know, take the off-the-field stuff out of it and, and just talk the football field for a second, like, you know, be interested to know where people have him. You know, I have to, like I said, update rankings soon. And it'd be interesting to kind of see where to put him. I think the next couple of weeks might help me a little bit in determining like where I should have him, whether it's in the top six to eight, top 10 to 12, you know, like I can't imagine it's 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 beyond that because I just think the ceiling and the upside is still too high and, and we got to, you know, 
kind of wait it out and, and see if he can find his rhythm over after a couple of weeks, which I think I'm sure it'll take. So I still think he's going to be a really good, high impactful player. But I, I just wonder if that's the consensus or is there a little bit more pause based on how long he's been out of the league? Uh, I think another interesting question in Dynasty right now is if you had to pick one between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, where would it be? Because I think before the year it was clearly Justin Herbert. And I like Justin Herbert. I think he's a high-level player. I'd love to have him as the quarterback of the Giants. I know they were highly interested in him. Uh, but if he went back to school, you know, and the rest is history. They ended up with Daniel Jones. He ended up with the Chargers a year later. But I feel like people have been quick to praise him and put him almost at the level of Mahomes and Allen, I don't think he's at that tier. I think he's in real life and then in fantasy. I, I, I just don't see it yet. And I think the bigger question is him or Joe Burrow. And I kind of lean for both real life and fantasy that I think I'd rather have my be attached to Joe Burrow than I would be Justin Herbert. With Joe Burrow comes Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, their running ability is about equivalent. So I don't think that's an X factor. So it's, it's basically on in their passing. And I've seen Joe Burrow come up bigger in bigger spots. And I've seen Justin Herbert. I've seen Justin Herbert have more disappointing games. I think than I've seen Joe Burrow. I think the receivers, you know, while I like what's in Los Angeles, I don't think it's even on the same level of Jamar Chase and T Higgins, which you could make the case is probably the second best duo in the league, not named Tyree kill, uh, and Jalen Waddle, but they're right there with them. Like they're, you know, they're, it's like a one, a one B in terms of the best duos in the league. Uh, I would slightly lean Joe Burrow. And again, I kind of wish Jeff was here because I, I do feel like the consensus is more Justin Herbert. So I'd like to kind of hear where Jeff's is. So some of these I'm going to cycle back to and bring Jeff in on them next week. Well, you know, obviously we have a lot of time, you know, no college games is, you know, this upcoming weekend. So we'll, we'll figure out some stuff to talk about and spend a little bit more time on the NFL transfer portal, you know, decisions, NFL draft, going back to school, et cetera. But I do want to circle back on some of these guys in the dynasty stock report. Uh, I think now's the time to buy DeAndre Swift before he clearly seizes control of that backfield again. I think it's just a matter of when, not if he'll be back to whether it's not this year, I think it'll definitely be next year. I think his skill set is too, too prolific to not be used as at least like early career Alvin Kamara, where like 15 touches and just explosive touches. Uh, I would, I think right now, I think this is a down rookie draft class, the way it's going to play itself out that if I could trade a late round one rookie pick for Deandre Swift, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, is somebody, concerned about the lack of usage this year the injuries how at times Detroit has 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 handled him I don't know I would see I would look at it as a time to buy it's on the flip side I think I also might look at now as a time to sell Alvin Kamara he doesn't look as good and as he's been in the past again part of it I think is just that offense is very broken uh so I wouldn't give him away, but if the right offer presented itself, I might consider moving Alvin Kamara for the right price in Dynasty. And the last guy I want to bring up is I want to check in on Chase Claypool because I was very adamant that I thought that was a terrible trade by the Bears, you know, during the trade deadline. And it just continues to look bad. They gave up a pick that's going to be a top 40 pick in the NFL draft for a guy who was taken late round two, I think, that year. So he he went higher years later when he's got less 
time on his rookie contract left. He's going to have to be paid big money soon. And he just hasn't really lived up to expectations that we thought after his rookie year. And I know it's only been five weeks, but he's been in Chicago five weeks, two for 13, one for eight, two for 11, two for 51, five for 58. Like he's got to be a bona fide top 20 receiver for that trade, top 20 to 25 receiver and basically be their one or one a for that deal to have made sense for them. I just don't think that's in chase Claypool's range of outcomes. And I will continue to say, like, I'm glad they were aggressive in getting a weapon for Justin Fields. It just seemed like it was too much aggression and the wrong time to do it. I would have held my chips to the off season and then seen what becomes available or been aggressive, you know, in the draft to find somebody who I thought could be that alpha, could be that guy that really elevates Justin Fields. I'm just not sure it's Chase Claypool. I look at their team and I see Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and I think, okay, they have a good number two and number three and a, and a, and a good tight end. They still need a true difference-making number one wide receiver. That shouldn't be the case after you trade a early round two draft capital. You should think you already have that piece in-house now, and it's clear they don't. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be a move that they're going to eventually look back on and, and have some buyer's remorse on. Uh, and, and I came right on there the night of the NFL draft deadline, and – I said I just I just didn't see it. To me, he was worth an early third round pick, not an early second round pick. That is a astronomical difference in the NFL eyes. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if, if maybe a full year, full off season, he could be that guy next year. I have my reservations. I think Pittsburgh had their reservations. That's why they they got out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how Claypool develops there in Chicago. So there it is, guys. NFL. Rookie report and dynasty stock report for this past weekend uh, on top of the NFL draft stock report and a quick Debbie slant. A lot of focus on transferees, uh, declaring, going back to school, and then a little bit of championship week. The college football playoff is set. I think Alabama should have been in there. Uh, I thought that would have presented better games. And, you know, I think we're headed towards a couple blowouts, to be honest with you. I think Georgia kind of rolls over uh, Ohio State. I think Michigan destroys TCU. And then I think Georgia probably handedly beats Michigan. Uh, while we get sick of Alabama, they usually provide really good drama. They provide usually really good games uh, and have the skill set to maybe keep up with a team like Georgia. So I would have I would have liked to see Ohio State-Michigan rematch in the semifinal and a Georgia Alabama game and then from there you know the national championship but we did not get that opportunity so we'll see maybe TCU or Ohio State can surprise me uh, on New Year's Eve and and push Georgia or Michigan and and make those games competitive we'll find out Uh, if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out here at Saturday Sunday please get over to the website SS football is the fastest and easiest way to get there check out the premium content tab and for $9.99 you get access to all of our premium notebooks. You get the NFL uh, draft projections notebook in April, but right now you get immediate access to the NFL the draft uh, scouting notebook. You get the SS premium rankings notebook. It has all our different rankings in it. So the rankings notebook, 
and the scouting notebook you get access to immediately a lot of updates and and edits coming to those two notebooks for sure as we close out the college football season and then head into the pre-draft months and then obviously the nfl draft projections notebook in april uh if you can't purchase the premium notebooks, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, get over to YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to our channel there as we're trying to grow that a little bit as well. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.